Good morning, everyone. It's a blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, There are several of us that I've met this morning that are here for the first time at Oakcrest. You are an honored guest for us today, and if I have not yet met you, my name tag says that I'm Brian Simmons, and so I am. (laughs) I'm blessed to serve as the preaching minister here at Oakcrest, but I also have a day job. I teach up the road at Oklahoma Christian University. Oh, my students. (laughs) Oh, my students. So on uh, Thursday or Friday, I forget which, one of my students came up to me and said, Hey, Brian, did you hear what someone said about you on Yik Yak? I don't even know what Yik Yak is. It's some kind of social media technology thing. But they said, evidently, one of my students had said, Wow, Brian Simmons is the cool grandpa you wish you had. Okay, can we clarify some things here? Hey, first of all, I'm not a grandparent, okay? Second of all, I'm 57, okay? The youth group is like, that's really old. It's like half a century. I love my students, I really do, and they, they keep me young, I'll start with that. But uh, they, they share their lives with me uh, oftentimes because of the classes I teach. So, for example, one of the courses I teach is a course in family communication. And one of my students told me a story one time that involves Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, how do you feel about Kentucky Fried Chicken? Not to make you hungry this morning. I know some of you are devotees of the cult known as Chick-fil-A, and I, others of you like canes, and I, that's fine. But this student said, I hate KFC. And here's why. It has nothing to do with the food, the original, or the crispy, or anything like that. It has to do with the fact that when she was growing up, her family would often go to Kentucky Fried Chicken on Sunday evenings after church services. And the problem is, because the family couldn't afford to buy as much chicken as they wanted, they bought the kind of meal where there weren't enough chicken legs to go around. You see, she wanted the leg, you know, the drumstick. And her brother wanted the leg, and her dad also wanted the legs. And so when you started counting up, you know, the wings and the breasts and the legs and the other chicken parts that are there in that bucket, there just weren't enough legs to go around. And so she said, inevitably, at the meal, there would be this big argument that started with her and her brother over who was going to get the leg. And it ended with her dad basically eating all of the legs, (laughs) which I might point out is a father's prerogative. But she said in telling that story that it just drove home to her the idea that she was always, always doomed never to get her way whenever they went to Kentucky Fried Chicken. And she was doomed always to eat the chicken wings, which she evidently did not like. Now, that is classically what we call a first world problem. (laughs) It's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But boy, I'll bet we can all relate in one manner or another. Because I think there's something in that student's story that we need to hear today that is an echo of a story that, frankly, doesn't need to be in the Bible. In fact, the more I think about it, there's no reason for this portion of the book of Genesis to be in the Bible unless an idea like the one I want to share with you can be extracted from it. And so in a moment, on the slide, you're going to see a story from Genesis chapter 13. If you have a device or if you have a real Bible, you can actually open that up. And I'll meet you in Genesis chapter 13. So here's the backstory to what's happening in Genesis chapter 13. Abraham, who at that point in time was only known by Abram, is moving out and about. 
he has become quite wealthy, he's got a lot of animals, he has a lot of resources, and it's just gotten to the point where he needs a little elbow room. And so it says here, as we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 13, so Abram goes up from Egypt to the Negev, which is this kind of desert area in the vicinity of the Middle East today. And he has with him his wife and everything, and then Lot, family member, extended family, is with him. Well, Abram had become quite wealthy in livestock, as I said, and silver and gold and all sorts of stuff. And now Lot, who was kind of moving around with them, also had a bunch of flocks and a lot of herds and a lot of tents and the whole nine yards. Well, verse 6. But the land, the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's herders and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and everyone else living in the land at the time. So in verse 8, Abram said to Lot, Hey, 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 let's not have quarreling between you and me or between your herders and my herders, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? I have an idea. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right... I'll go to the left. So Lot looks around, saw the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. And so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the land of Jordan. So he set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. So Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived in the cities on the plain, and he pitched his tent near Sodom. Now, time out. This story is a nice little story, but frankly, it doesn't need to be in the Bible. I mean, we can dispense with all this business about herders and quarreling and livestock and silver and gold, and you go to the right, I'll go to the left, and vice versa. All we had to do was say, so Abram and Lot both grew wealthy, Abram went to live over here, Lot went to live over there, let's move on. But no, we have this 12-verse story about Abram and Lot figuring out which way they're going to go. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember asking one time the minister at the church where I grew up, why is the Bible so thick? (laughs) And he said, well, it's because God has important things to share with us. And I said, but if God was God, you think you could edit it a little bit so it wasn't as thick? Ironically, the minister had no answer for that. And I knew right then and there that it wasn't wise to ask questions of the minister. But at any rate, this story doesn't need to be in Scripture. And yet, upon further review, the more I think about it, I think this story gives us some things to consider. For example, when you back off a little bit, I think it's fair to say this story is about not having to get your way. You see, in the culture of the time... Abram was the wealthier, older family member, and that gave him the right, that gave him the honor of getting to choose whether he's going to go to this nicely watered, very good agricultural land over here, or whether he's going to go over here in the less friendly, harder to make a living land over there. In fact, because of his status, Abram should have been the one who just said, okay, Lot, you're going to go live over there where it's going to be a hard scrabble life, a hard knock life as Annie once said. And I'm going to go over here where the living is easy and good. But that's not what Abram did. Abram could have had his way, but he chose not to. 
And I think that's remarkable because if I've learned anything about humans in the time I've been on this earth, the relatively short 57 non-grandparent years, I've learned that we humans love to get our way. We want to have our way. And some of us don't deal very well with it when we don't get our way. So I read recently about a guy in Pennsylvania who goes into a Wendy's and he orders a salad, which is perfectly fine, but evidently there weren't enough cucumbers on his salad and so he got irritated. In fact, he got so irritated that he began yelling at and threatening the fast food worker, demanding that more cucumbers be put on his salad. And then he pulled out a gun and threatened the employees at Wendy's with a gun. Evidently, cucumbers are really important to this guy. He wants to get his way so much so that he pulls out a firearm. We humans really like to get our way. My student at KFC every Sunday night just wanted to have her way. She just wants a leg of chicken. It's human nature. I am old enough to have been worshiping in enough different churches that I've seen people leave churches because they didn't get their particular way. We hired a youth minister at a church I was a part of several years ago, and when we hired this particular person rather than that particular person, some people said, well, we didn't get our way. We're leaving. We love to get our way. Anybody who's ever held the remote in front of a television with their spouse knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so the idea is that deeply ingrained in us is this notion that we want to get our way. And yet Abram didn't have to get his way. Quite the opposite, in fact. In fact, it reminds me of this deep truth that comes through in this simple story buried in Genesis. You see, God's people are called to give way, not to always try to get their way. And giving way is very different than getting your way. Giving way says, I don't have to hold the remote. Giving way says, when I come to a stop sign, I don't have to be the one to go first. Giving way says, I'm going to let you have what you want rather than what I want. Giving way says, you know what, I'd really love to have a leg of chicken. Man, I'd love to have a leg of chicken. But that's okay. You go ahead and take the leg. Now, for my student, as a very young child, that's asking a lot. You know what I mean? It's asking an awful lot of a college student, for that matter. And sometimes it's asking a lot of a 57-year-old non-grandparent. But at the end of the day, this is what we're called to. Is that not what Jesus means in Luke chapter 9? When he says, to all those who would call themselves disciples, to all of those who drug themselves out of bed, got their coffee, got dressed, and came to this building today, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, we sometimes think that means taking up the cross in these big, huge, earth-shattering, life-changing kinds of decisions. And it does mean that. But to me, taking up your cross and following Jesus means that in the littlest of things, it's about giving way, not getting your way. You see, I have... I struggle with this sometimes. I have this thing that um, when I'm eating my food at a restaurant or at the uh, table, sometimes my, wealth, my wife will reach over and say, can I have a nibble? <sighs> really? Sure. I don't want to give way. And it's just 
an onion ring. <laughs> it's just a French fry. It's just a portion of a barbecued spare rib. It's just fill in the blank. And it's so small. And that's the point. This passage in Luke chapter 9 doesn't just call us to deny ourselves and say, boy, you know what? I'd really like to do bodily harm to someone. Or I'd really like to navigate to that website. Or I'd really like to tell this lie. Or I'd really like to, you know, whatever. It's the small things where we're called to give way. Abram, in Genesis 13, doesn't have to have his way. He gives way on something pretty significant. And yet, our challenge in our life is the daily little things. Oh, my students... Oh, my students. One of my students said to me uh, during that second week of school, first-year student adjusting to life, living in the dormitories, brand new, it's all exciting. And she said, my roommate is annoying me because I'll be sound asleep about one in the morning and my roommate will come in from having watched a movie across the hall with her friends. And the first thing she does is turn the light on. The second thing she does is start rummaging through her drawers, trying to find something or clothes for the next day or, heaven forbid, a textbook. And so my student said, it's just the most rude, absolutely annoying thing. And that's the point, isn't it? You see, it's the little things of life that we oftentimes don't think of as being situations where we think we have to get our way. Now, in the story of Genesis 13, it's not just that Abram allows Lot to go first. It's not just that Abram doesn't have to have his way. I think this story is also about being comfortable with the lesser. The lesser. Now let me explain what I mean by that. The land over here that ultimately Lot chose was land that was good and rich with water and the stuff that will make someone who lives off the land wealthy and secure. But on the other hand, what Abram chose was land that was less, less valuable, less appealing, less attractive, less of what you would think someone would want. Yet Abram is comfortable choosing the lesser of those things. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Chicken leg, chicken wing, leg all day and twice on Sunday, okay? The lesser for my student was the wing. And in many times in our lives, it's not just that we don't want to always have to get our way. It's also that when we're forced to choose, God often wants us to choose the lesser, meaning what's less valuable, what's less prized. I mean, we just sang a song a minute ago. Pretty sure we sang it all together. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. That's hard. That's choosing the lesser. But oftentimes we, <laughs> we think that choosing the lesser is losing. When I was a kid growing up in Phoenix, we would sometimes pile into someone's car to go and get food or go and play football after church or go to a devotional and that kind of thing. And inevitably, we'd have a bunch of guys saying, shotgun, shotgun, which meant that you wanted to ride in the passenger seat, right? Because if you rode in the passenger seat, it was more comfortable with more leg room. It meant that you could choose what song played on the radio. It meant that you had a better seat than those guys crammed into the back seat of a diesel-powered Volkswagen Rabbit. <laughs> Some of you remember the diesel-powered Volkswagen Rabbit. Okay, it's about the size of that trash can off to my right. And so the idea is, Abram is comfortable choosing the lesser. And remember, Abram allowed Lot to go first. And so Abram was stuck with this land for a long time. He's comfortable choosing the lesser. You know, I used to, uh, in some of my many past lives, I used to direct a Christian drama group 
that would uh, put together a, a one-act play that had a Christian theme to it. We'd take it to youth rallies and churches and we'd present that. And there's an old adage in theater I kept telling my students. There are no small parts, only small actors. Which basically means, you might think this part is less, like if you're Romeo and Juliet, you want to be Romeo, you want to be Juliet, somebody's got to be the nurse. Somebody's got to be the nurse. If you know Romeo and Juliet, it's a very small part in that particular Shakespearean play. Here's my point. Abram is comfortable choosing the less, and he understands that the lesser isn't losing. It's what Jesus calls us to, okay? You don't lose because you can't ride shotgun. Okay, great, I'll sit in the back seat of the VW Rabbit in the middle on the little hump, crammed in between two guys that are sweaty and need to use deodorant. It's not just about being comfortable with that, it's recognizing that's what I'm called to. I'm called to let my wife eat off my plate. I'm called to let the other person go first at the stop sign. I'm called to take the chicken wig and not the chicken leg. I'm called to surrender the remote. I'm called in daily small things and in grand large things to the lesser. Is that not what Jesus means when he looks into the eyes of some very religious people, or at least people who claim to be religious, who claim to be the Lord's disciples? And he says this in Luke chapter 14. So when Jesus noticed how the guests at this particular banquet picked out places of honor at the table, he told them a parable. Hey, when somebody invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And if so, <laughs> well, then the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, um, can, you can, can you give this person your seat? And then humiliated... <laughs> you will have to take the least important place. Verse 10. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place, and you'll be honored in the presence of all the guests. For all of those who exalt themselves shall be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Oh, here, take the remote. Take the leg. Here, have all of my hamburger. Well, two-thirds of it. That's what it means. So when we sang a little while ago, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up, that's not just about don't brag. It's not just about don't say how great you are. It's about choosing the lesser. And that's hard. Because we're human. And frankly, it's hard because of where we live. See, Abram wasn't hung up on his right. Abram, as I said earlier, had a right to choose first. He was older. He was kind of the patriarch of his family. He was wealthier. He was the head of the family. And yet he turned to the extended family member Lot and said, hey, you choose. Abram didn't care as much about his right. Well, if you know anything about America, you know that America, we value our rights. And appropriately so. It's enshrined in our founding documents. We have all kinds of rights, and we oftentimes tend to think in terms of our right. So you walk into a Wendy's and say, I have a right to get the proper number of cucumbers. Hmm. I have a right to get good service at this restaurant. I have a right to fill in the blank. Well, funny thing about that. The Bible never really talks about rights. The Bible talks about responsibilities. 
And Abram, I think, was willing to choose the lesser. He was willing to choose a harder path in life, land that would be harder to farm, a life that would be more difficult to live, because he didn't think to himself, I've got a right. I've got a right. And I think for many of us, that's hard to understand. But when you think about it, what's the story of the Good Samaritan about? Not the right of the priest and the Levite to pass by on the other side, but their responsibility to the one who was ill. When Jesus says, hey, go the extra mile, what's that about? Not your right to not have to carry a Roman's stuff, but a responsibility to show love to someone who wouldn't expect you to show love. When Jesus talks about the sharing of the gospel, it's not like we can say, hey, I have a right to choose whether to share the gospel or not. He says you have a responsibility to share the gospel. When Paul in Ephesians writes about husbands and wives, he doesn't talk about the right that a husband has or the right a wife has. He talks about the responsibility they have to one another. Hard though it is for us to hear, living in America in the 21st century, Abram reminds us, it's not about my right. It's about my responsibility to my wife, to the other driver, to the people I meet along the way, to the Wendy's country person. And so this story in the 13th chapter of Genesis, it is really hard because it strikes at the heart of how we live our lives every day. It's difficult to choose the lesser. But I believe that story is buried in the 13th chapter of Genesis because it's something we need to hear. And so my hope for all of us is that we are able to choose the lesser in the small daily things of life. And, and I will challenge you to begin to see the things of your life through a frame that says, hey, is this an opportunity to choose the lesser? I think it does. And so when you start to look at your life that way, you'd be amazed how much closer you can grow to God. And so my challenge to you is to do your best to choose the lesser. Because the Lord has done a lot in your life, and it seems to me that that's a pretty neat way to express your gratitude for what the Lord has done in you. And so this morning, in a moment, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing about what the Lord has done in us. And as we sing that song, I just want you to think about what the Lord has done for you and about how in response to what the Lord has done for you, maybe you can begin to choose the lesser as you interact with all the people that you will bump into in the next seven days. And as always here at Oak Crest, whether you've been here for 52 years or whether you're here for the first time, if we can be a blessing to you, we'd like to do that this morning. If you'd like to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, there's a filled baptistry right behind me. We were blessed to see Ronette be baptized last week, and we'd love to be able to do that for you this morning. But if we can just pray with you about your life, about the struggles you have with choosing the lesser, or the struggles you have with family or work or whatever it is in your life, this is a church family that wants to help with that. And so you probably know the routine. But if you don't, we're going to stand and sing. And one of our shepherds will be here to talk or pray with you. And another will be back there in the lobby if that's more comfortable for you. But don't go to lunch today unless you really have thought about choosing the lesser. And you really have thought about whether we can be a blessing to you today. And so, Kyle, if you'd come, we'll stand together and we'll sing as a church family.